Hey, welcome back. I'm Jonathan Alexander here with Brooks Cabina for another podcast episode. And this week, uh, in a week three of the regular season, and the Texans are coming off their first loss of the season. You know, some, I'm not gonna lie, Brooks. Sometimes I get confused. I want to say 0 2, but <laughs> they tied. They tied. Week Depends one who you the, ask. Yeah. Depends who you ask. Definitely depends on who you ask, man. But I think the biggest thing, and, and you wrote about this, and we've written about this. The biggest takeaway from Sunday's game was how poorly the offense played and, and Davis Mills struggles in the fourth quarter in particular. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that was a game that, you know, you, you were talking about thinking in your mind of the Texans being 0-2. If they have good quarterback play and wide receiver play in the passing game, you know, they might be 2-0. and It's actually really interesting because in the offseason, Lovey Smith was as big as advocate for Davis Mills as anybody. And part of the reason he promoted Pep Hamilton was because he thought it was a must to continue his development. But on Wednesday, that was about as clear, as critical as Levy Smith was going to be. I mean, you can't – you basically eliminate all the other things the offense is doing. The line is pretty stable, um, you know, three sacks towards the end, but, you know, there's some spotty things that can create there. But really, the goal line, Davis Mills should have had a touchdown there to Brandon Cooks, and that's partly on him catching the ball. But you just look at his stats, man, just below five yards per attempt. That's just not going to cut it. And uh, Davis Mills taking ownership of that too. I mean, did that? I mean, does that surprise you? Two weeks in, I mean, we were to be, we were talking about the quarterback situation all training camp. You know, they felt so stable. Is it isn't it surprising so far that the rhetoric has changed a bit? Yeah, I think some of it is surprising. Some of it is not. When I look back on it, right. So, like the part is surprising is you know everybody was so high on him. Everybody had so much confidence on him. And um, now we're kind of seeing some of his deficiencies. And and we both know this is an important year for him. You know, as the Texans try to figure out to see the future franchise guy. And, and through two games, he has it. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's 5 of 18 or 5 of 16 um, in the fourth quarter, in the crunch time, um, and where it matters the most. And, you know, if you want to be a franchise quarterback, you've got to – that's where you have to perform. That's where you make your money. And Davis Mills hadn't done that. And you mentioned that throw to Brandon Cooks. It, you know, Brandon Cooks could have caught that ball, but Davis Mills also could have made a better throw. Um, and, and those are plays that they wish they would have had back. It could have turned the tide of the game. Um, you know, Davis Mills has to be a lot. I also do do think, though, that Davis Mills, it would be nice if Davis Mills had a lot of weapons. I think you're seeing a lot of the teams in the league who are successful, in particular like the Miami Dolphins, who have multiple weapons and speedsters and guys who make plays and I only see that from one of the players, and that's Brandon Cooks. Uh, I do think that that the and I don't know how they can't necessarily do that this year, but you know they need to find other ways to get other guys more involved. Maybe perhaps that's Tyler Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting is that you know as people are listening to this, we'll probably be talking to Pep Hamilton. Uh, he speaks on Thursdays, and the thing that I'm really curious about, uh, Jonathan, is just is this a situation where they they obviously can't afford to wait another offseason if they don't feel stable at quarterback just because you know John Matchy unfortunately dealing with the leukemia diagnosis battling that off um, away from the team and you, you, that was one of the players that might have given Mills another playmaker but if they don't feel like he can take the top off of a defense then they're gonna have to look somewhere else even without giving him another year they can't afford another year I don't think and I'm curious if it's just these are the strengths that think they think Davis Mills has that he's not 
you know, give them some short throws, uh, double crosses, because that's basically what was getting the most yardage against the Broncos was whenever they were getting across the field. Brandon Cooks had a long one, Nico Collins too. Um, I'm curious how Pep views this because, I mean, you remember, Jonathan, whenever um, we were looking at them in the offseason, and, and this was right and, – and then also right whenever Pep Hamilton got hired, he was talking about what his offensive philosophy is. And every coordinator kind of says this where they say, we look at the personnel and then we decide how to – best maximize that if if their offense is a run-oriented scheme where they're gonna davis mills said it himself on wednesday when he said that they're a ground and pound team and then make the defense respect the run and then take your shot that's building an offense around your run game and not your quarterback and i don't know if that's because it's davis mills or if it's because it's pep hamilton now he has a long history of using the run game at michigan dated back to stanford and then but they had andrew luck uh, while he was at Stanford and at the Colts, do they view Mills in that same vein? Is there things that we're missing throughout the season that, or is this just a trend of how they're going to do it? I mean, I'm just curious to see if it's a Davis Mills situation or if it's Pep Hamilton really uh, designing the offense in his own philosophy. What, what's your what's your read on that? You know, as far as you know, this team, you know, being a run. I mean, th- that's what they've kind of preached even before the season started, right? Now, I don't know how they do that by adding only you know, one back as far as like Damian Pierce goes, who I think can be really good, but coming from where they came from last year, they weren't a good running team. So, um, I mean, they're not, I don't, I don't think the team is designed to be a pass oriented team too. So maybe the thinking is that in that is that they have to be uh, a run team. I just think that, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, I just think this team lacks the necessary weapons to be truly effective. I think this team is going to struggle offensively all year. Um, I mean, you look, I think Damon Pierce is going to be a good back. You, he saw, he showed some potential last game. He ran hard, but he just, does, he doesn't have anybody behind him to spell him. Um, the offensive line is good, but it's not great. And then they don't really have many deep weapons to take those shots that Davis Mills was talking about other than Brandon Cooks. And people are going to be paying attention to Brandon Cooks. Uh, I don't know who else they can they can put out there to to implement what they want to implement. One of the guys that's really I, I thought we'd see more from, and it kind of makes sense now. Brevin Jordan's dealing with an ankle injury that he suffered in Week One. He was kind of that player that was a matchup winner. He doesn't have the size for an inline blocking tight end, kind of your prototype that Farrell Brown and OJ Howard fit. And, and if he's not fully healthy, maybe that's what's kind of eliminating some of the matchup winning that they would have in certain situations, especially since they're using so much multiple tight end formations. I wonder if that's restricting what they're doing. Uh, but I mean, the other point you made there, Jonathan, like there is no other back than Damian Pierce to trust to get more than four yards of carry. And against the Broncos, he only had, I think about uh, 15 carries for 69 yards. And while that's extremely efficient, I think that's probably as many carries as you're going to give a guy in a 17-game season. And if that's the mold, then you really do need Davis Mills to step up um, and deliver those throws in situations. Now, I've, I mean, you look at the Broncos, obviously they had great pass rushers off the edge. So maybe that's also part of it where Pep Hamilton was like, okay, we're not going to have much time to throw the ball. You, you look at this weekend with the Bears and other teams forward that maybe don't have that kind of pass rush. We'll see. I mean, uh, it's one of the things that's going to be the biggest conversation around this team going forward because that's the most important position all the NFL. 
this might end up being their best chance to get get a win. I I had the Bears as I think the second to last team worst team in the league when I did my power rankings. Uh, I still have them around there. I think uh, you know the Bears offense is um, pretty terrible. Um, yeah, and I think the I think the Texans defense can have its way and force some turnovers and give Davis Mills the ball. This is going to be really key. Um, you know, Davis Mills has to ca- and the offense has to cash in on those turnovers um, that the Texans might be able to get. Um, I mean, I just look at Justin Fields. You know, I I, I think he has uh, potential, but he just hasn't shown much of it yet. Seventy yards. He played an entire game um, last week and had only seventy yards. Um, I think the Packers defense is pretty good. Um, and I think that the Texans can make things difficult. So this is their chance, really. And, and the offense has to, has to, well, I think Lovey Smith's motto is like show, show up and show out. I think this, this is the week to do it. The Bears look pretty terrible against the Packers team that could score. I mean, you have no question that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to put up points, which they did right before halftime. I believe they were up 24 to seven. But the one thing about the Texans that, we saw against the Colts, their run defense is a bit spotty. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the Broncos, That was, we were up in the press box wondering why the heck is Nathaniel Hackett throwing the ball four <laughs> times at the goal line when they're averaging five yards a carry. Yeah. I mean, they could have run the ball all the time, all day against the Texans. They were getting their yardage. And I think that's the plan. If I were the Bears looking at the Texans, I've got David Montgomery who just you know rushed for 140 yards against the Packers. That's that's an exploitative thing that I'm I'm really curious about. We know that the secondary is much better for the Texans. Derek Stingley and Steven Nelson, they're a great duo. And I thought even though Cortland Sutton got 140 yards, a lot of that came in the second half with uh, I think they held them pretty well. Now, again, I think one of the great quotes in your story, you talk to Steve Nelson, he's like 16 points. Not bad. You know, that's good. <laughs> D. Um <laughs> And Jalen Petrie has been playing well. The big question is that front seven, that's basically the same unit as last year that ranked in the bottom five in rush defense. It's just, it doesn't look fixed to me. David Montgomery is another guy that I think can exploit that. So if the offense is as bad as it is the last couple of weeks, this is going to be a really brutal game to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Hackett's, Hackett's play calling was definitely questionable. And I, I think, you know, as, as teams begin to look at more film on the Texans, I think they'll be able to, they'll figure out that, you know, running game, like you said, is an issue, is a is a weak spot for the Texans. So I think that's one thing that they're going to have, the Texans are going to have to focus on uh, going forward. Now, I, I'm glad you brought up Derek Stingley. I wanted to ask you, what did you think about his performance? Was it a positive takeaway? Are you concerned? I, I know a few fans probably had some of that question about him. What, what did you take away from his performance? Overall, I thought it was positive. I, I thought that it was weird. I, I was reading the transcript after I watched the interviews again, and uh, it was clear that it's clear that we're going back to kind of Nathaniel Hackett's play calling uh, habits. Um, it, it seems like Russell Wilson is very involved um, right after they went for that uh, red zone one on one with Sutton and Derek Stingley. And uh, it looked like a touchdown, but it got overturned. Um, they had this conversation after and Russ wanted to go for that exact play again. And Stingley swatted that down. Um, And if you look at that game, that was really the first time Stingley was really going one for one with a guy, both sides of the field, following him around. And uh, Denver was trying to free Sutton up. There's this one play um, that tripped the Texans up so much last year where um, basically an offensive receiver would start on one side of the field and be play action. And they'd sneak back the other way 
almost like a bootleg, but now they're in free space and that lined them up with a linebacker who was usually not keeping up. And then that would turn into a 15, 20 yard gain. Stingley was matched up on Sutton on that similar play, tracked him the whole way and then just tattooed him as soon as he got the ball. And mm. that, that, that was one of the things people were running about Stingley in the off season is how, how good of a tackler he is. And he's clearly physical and can make plays like that. Um, I think the yardage, that Sutton got was a lot in that breakdown coverage between him and Jonathan Owens. Um, you, you wrote about that. You've asked about that. I mean, what was the clarity you saw in that? Because overall, beyond that play, I think Stingley showcased that he can be a corner um, who can match up with the best and help eliminate uh, yardage. I, I, I do think one of the things, though, is that um, he was whenever he's dropping back in zone, sometimes he gets uh, turned turned about. Uh, sometimes I think Sutton got to the, it was, I think the first drive, he kind of turned him around a bit towards the sideline, but I mean, that's, that's going to, that's going to be something Stingley's learning over these years. These are, these are top receivers. That's the first one. And big takeaway from Lovey Smith, the guy who's a, you know, one of the better defensive minds of this century, you know, he thinks, you know, he thinks he's done a really good job. So, you know, I I think that's high praise coming from Lovey Smith. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought I was, I came away, um, you know, if I were a fan, I'd come away encouraged. I think even with Singley's mistakes that he made, he got beat. He got beat by a good receiver. Cortland Sutton, Sutton is is a really good receiver. Um, some of the penalties he made were like aggressive, aggressive penalties. Like he, like the first one, the first pass interference was kind of questionable. He came over the top. He was being aggressive. The second one, you know, he didn't want to get beat. He was a little bit behind on Sutton, but he tried to deflect at his arms and then got called for the. Um, defensive pass interference. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I like that in a corner, a corner who's being aggressive, not not a corner who makes mistakes and then just tackles somebody. That's not what he was doing. Um, but he made some plays, and I think that that was encouraging. And you know, he kept going, and he even when he made mistakes, he kept coming back, and he he had some deflections of his own. He has like that um, goal line deflection he had to keep the um, Broncos out of the end zone after the defensive pass interference. I thought that was. Uh, very impressive. So I think Stingley definitely has a bright future. Um, you know, his teammates talked about it. You know, they weren't worried about it. Um, you know, the the third and 16 play, it looked like he got a little bit turned around there. I thought the Broncos made it a great play call to get that 35-yard gain to set and found right in between. Um, you know, they knew what uh, the Texans were running and, and set and found a spot right in between Owens and, and Stingley. It looked like Stingley just got a little bit possibly turned around maybe he should have kept going back after he realized nobody was com- coming underneath but um you know it was one of a few few mistakes they made i thought a different play call could have helped them out there but you know hindsight is twenty twenty, and i thought the defense played well for the most part so distinguished yeah and i think with that play i mean you mentioned it being a good play call it reminds me of the first game where the texans yeah, they had O.J. Howard in basically the same play in a red zone. And they exploited this zone in the Colts' defense up the seam. Um, it was about, you know, 10 yards down the way, and they they basically man- manufactured the Colts to give them that look to know that that space was going to be there. And that's something that they had seen in tape and try and exploit. Um, I think whenever Lovey was Lovey Smith was, was um, explaining a bit of that play there um, after your question, it, it seemed like looking back at it, it's almost the same thing. The, the Texans are going to be playing deep safeties on third and 16. They want to give up anything too long. Um, and then Stingley looked like he was handing off in zone. 
And you're just putting yourself in a position right there where Owens has to make a really quick decision and react very quickly to go and get on that ball. And it seemed like he was a little far away. So, I mean, that's, that's sometimes it's the play call. Sometimes, you know, somebody just makes a good play. So I think that's a, I think that's a good point by you. Um, I, I, I do think also it's like of all the things that we've been talking about, the Texans, you know, the team get that the defense given up 16 points in one game and then 20 in an overtime. Um, they've been, they've been performing really well. Um, I, I am interested to see how the, uh, the pass rush continues to go. It seems like, you know, one person steps up per week. It was Grenard this week. It was Jerry Hughes the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, they've got, they've, you know, they tried to address the depth through free agency. And obviously Mario Addison's been on the injured reserve so far, but I'm, I'm really waiting to see when they're all getting back there. And that's where, a lot of those turnovers are going to come from. And Justin Fields is another player who can uh, move in the pocket. He's mobile. Um, He'll test them a bit. I think Russell Wilson was getting uh, some extension on plays and he was just, he was off too, man. I mean, for a guy who's making that much money, he was just throwing the ball in different places that just didn't look like it was right. Sometimes there were drops. I mean, at times you were wondering who was better Davis Mills or Russell Wilson. It really was a pretty big question, Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the Bears play this. Yeah, it was some weird drops too. Um, but yeah, I think you know the Texas defensive line certainly had. You saw Rasheem Green had a couple of set or a sack and a half. Um, you know, of course, Malik Collins played well in Week One. You know, I think this is going to be a a good opportunity for Texas defense to really get after the Bears, who had the worst offensive line in the league last year. And seem to be struggling. You know, Justin Fields tends to hold on to the ball a little bit too much, too. So, um, you know, getting after the quarterback may be the key right here for the Texans to get this win. And I think the defense is going to have to carry them. And then the offense is going to have to make plays when the de- when the defense um, gets these stops. So let me ask you this. Uh, do you have a score prediction? Uh, what do you think about this particular game? You know, I do think the Texans win. And it's partly because of what you just mentioned. I think this is one of the few games upcoming that the Texans have the advantage on both offensive line and defensive line. Uh, the bears get a lot, give up a lot on the ground when it comes to the run game. And I think Damian Pierce is going to be a huge part of this, obviously, because uh, that's Pep Hamilton's MO is trying to be a ground and pound team. I think that works to their advantage. Um, and I think they do get to the quarterback. I think fields is um, a quarterback who turns the ball over and mills is at least someone who takes care of the ball at the very least. And he can, we'll see if he elevates his game. So I think this is a game Texans probably win 20 to 13. Um, and I, I think it'll be close, but it'll feel bigger because the Texans get a lot of opportunities and uh, can get it, get some touchdowns in. Yeah. I had a similar score in mind. I had 19, 13 Texans. I think as long as Davis hey. doesn't turn over the ball, I think they should win this game. Uh, and if they don't win this game, then I think they're in for some trouble. Uh, I think, I think NFL.com, some, I can't, I don't know who came up with, they had the Texans rank, uh, 32nd in the league, which should be some, uh, some, should be some motivation for those players if they saw that, that ranking. So, yeah, it's, it's weird to think about the rankings now because the Texans and the Colts were tied. And what do we think about the Colts after they get blown out by the Jaguars? Do we overreact to how good the Jaguars are after their free agency acquisitions and a head coaching change? Or is it the Colts really are just had a bad week or they just were still 
trying to figure things out, or are they just a dysfunctional team at this point? Uh, that's that's a that's a tough race there at the bottom of the AFC. It, it might be both. I mean, they, they certainly didn't have two of their top wide receivers, which they don't have many wide receivers at all. And Pittman wasn't there, and uh, I can't remember the rookies, um, Alec. Uh, I can't remember his last name, but they didn't have their two top wide receivers. So I think the Colts are also a bad team too. So that combined, um, that was interesting to get shut out. At the same time, though, you got Jonathan Taylor, one of the better running backs in the league, and you, do. you couldn't score once. Yeah, he was uh, kind of limited in that too. So yeah, you can't weird. you can't get shut out. That's against the Jaguars. I like you know some of the Jaguars' weapons, and I think they got and I think highly of Trevor Lawrence, but um, you can't get shut out against the Jaguars. Well, thanks for listening this week. I'm Jonathan Alexander. He's Bruce Cabina. Please check back with us for another episode. And if you want to read our stuff, please do at HoustonChronicle.com slash sports and please subscribe. Until next week.